Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, after weeks of following public health guidelines, this could be a critical week for Canadians. This could be a big week to the extent that uh, they may get the payoff, uh, you know, to see whether everything they've been asked to do. Uh, everybody likes to be able to make a difference. And in something like this, this could be the week where Canadians have, you know, can be shown that they've made a difference. New measures are introduced to protect the most vulnerable. Minister of Seniors, Deb Schulte is announcing $9 million through the New Horizons for Seniors program to the United Way for everything from health check-ins to grocery delivery. And the government is considering the possibility of taking over large public spaces to use as makeshift hospitals. Given the various influxes of, say, March break returnees that are still coming back or snowbirds, hospitals are trying to prepare with, for that surge by essentially emptying out um, a lot of their hospital beds and the ICU. It's Monday, March the 30th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure, Mark. Let's take a step back for a moment. Uh, a couple of interesting things are happening here. First of all, it feels like we're into a bit of a, a daily routine with this new kind of dynamic that we're all living through as Canadians. Uh, the Prime Minister does a news briefing every day at the same time. Other cabinet ministers are available to answer questions, public health officials as well. We get the updates on the numbers. We hear new information about government measures to support people in society. But I get the sense that in spite of the fact that we might be lulled into a pattern here, that the next few days, the next week or two are pretty critical in terms of what direction this takes. Yeah, really the next week. You know, and I guess I'd frame it this way, Mark, for the last, you know, couple of weeks, uh, two or three weeks, uh, Canadians have really been asked, uh, you know, they've had their question answered when they've been sitting around and, and wondering about where this is all going and what they can do to make a difference. They've been told what you can do to make a difference is stay in your home, stay away from work if you don't have to be there practice uh, practice proper distancing to try and curb the spread of this and this is this could be a big week to the extent that uh, they may get the payoff uh, you know to see whether everything they've been asked to do uh, everybody likes to be able to make a difference and in something like this this could be the week where Canadians have you know can be shown that they've made a difference uh, and you know God forbid it goes the other way uh, because that will raise a whole new set of questions. But health health experts are telling us this this is a big week because it will, you know, as we get later into the week, it's been that couple of weeks since people were told to take all these measures. So we'll start to see whether that curve everybody talks about starts to move, uh, you know, less uh, less pointedly, whether we start to flatten that curve a little bit that everyone talks about, all the health experts talk about. And that'll be the payoff for Canadians. If it can be shown by the end of this week, uh, when these isolation practices uh, will have you know run the course of the of the transmission cycle, typically 14 days, if we can show by the end of uh, of this week that look what's happened here, folks, there's some indication that that's happening in British Columbia. Uh, officials in Quebec have talked about it. They think maybe it's rising less quickly than their their models had predicted. And if it's if they can make the connection between the stuff that ordinary Canadians have done to try and stop the spread of this virus and the results they can show us later in the week, I think that'll that'll be a big, big bonus for the fight against this 
uh, COVID-19 because then Canadians will say, okay, I, I am making a difference. And this idea of, you know, having to change the way we live, which everybody's had to do so dramatically, will have a purpose to it. And I think it'll be, it won't be as hard to convince Canadians to, to stick to it or maybe even do even more if, if more is needed because they'll see that it's paying off. Yeah, and as you say, if it's going the other way, that raises all kinds of questions. We don't necessarily have to resolve those today, but um, but I, I think one well, of the I think things the challenge will be the challenge will be uh, uh, it, it won't it won't mean you know it won't necessarily mean that look the distancing and the isolation stuff isn't working. It may mean that we need more time at it. Uh, but the more time you take to provide the payoff, and you know it's not that. You know, it's not necessarily the health experts and health officials and our political leaders control the timing of the payoff, but the more time it takes for Canadians to see that it's working, uh, the more anxiety it raises, the more defiance it might raise. Um, and in, you know, I would I would point to uh, this, this this sort of you know gray area there in the United States with Donald Trump saying you know you know in the next couple of weeks he could decide that you know the he's he's going to drop a lot of those measures in different parts of the United States and say you know what get back to work um that you know if the if the numbers don't show a payoff uh, it kind of argue, you know it might undermine the argument that you have to keep on doing it uh, and if the guy next door to you the president of the United States is saying look the distancing stuff, you know, we, we can't tell for sure if it's working, it, it's still spreading, but we got to get the country back to work. Uh, then, I, then I think it might throw some of the messaging into a little bit of chaos. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about uh, what the government is doing. Last week, of course, uh, late last week, the focus was very much on supporting businesses and employees, and there were some significant measures put into place there. When the Prime Minister spoke yesterday on Sunday, he talked a lot about the most vulnerable in society, uh, children who may need to call uh, for help. Uh, he talked about uh, others who are feeling isolated and lonely. Um, and, and seniors, seniors yeah. and others who are... Uh, you know, the, the others who don't necessarily always have somebody else looking out for them or can't often look out for themselves. Yeah, and and I think that is an important part of the uh, discussion because uh, this is, I, I know that, uh, that most Canadians would agree the measures that have been put in place are necessary and that the consequences of not doing that are severe, but there are consequences to the measures as well and they have to be addressed at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I guess as I watch this unfold, we've watched it unfold for you know the last uh, sort of month of of uh, pretty serious government action being taken. Um, by the time the government gets done taking action, Mark, it's hard to imagine that any single segment of society, any single group in our society, will have been left out. Yeah, uh, there's there's clearly a feeling here that. Um, you know, this is not the fault of any any group. This is not the fault of any government. This is a uh, this is this uh, this is a pandemic that you know. I mean, you can argue how well we should have been prepared for it, but uh, it's probably a little late for that argument now, or that's an argument for another day. It's here. Um, governments are trying to deal with it, and governments around the world are, are by and large taking the same approach. You have to throw money at it because you have to basically, you know, solve solve the health crisis but you also have to solve an economic crisis called by that caused by the health crisis and you can't you you can't you can't let the economy of a country you know wither away during this to the point where it's you know it's almost impossible for it to recover when it's done and the economy is not this 
uh, you know, the economy is a word, but it's not this inanimate thing. It's it's powered by people, and it's and society is powered by people. So it's hard to imagine that there isn't every single group, and the government will learn this as it's going. It will plug in these measures as it's doing for different groups that power the economy, that uh, that give us the society we have, the society we want, and as it notices uh, gaps and loop and and holes in in the strategy, it'll plug those gaps and holes, and that's what we're seeing. No group is going to you don't immediately think of supports for children when the crisis is about health and the economy, but when you start going down the list of people you think it's important to help, you can't ignore seniors, you can't ignore kids, so you you plug some programs in there to okay, well, what are we doing to make sure that they can get through this and that they're having the help they need to get through it and that they're okay when it's done and ready to, you know, ready to, uh, you know, rejoin society, if I can put it that way, or ready to uh, make sure they're still part of it when, when all's said and done. We don't want to leave anybody behind. Let's talk for a moment about some of the measures the government is reportedly putting in place. Uh, uh, there's a CBC report that uh, apparently there will be, if necessary, some move to take over large spaces and use them as makeshift hospitals if that becomes necessary at a certain point. That has been happening in other countries. Yeah, and it's a, it makes perfect sense that it would happen here if, if uh, our hospitals, you know, every every measure that the health community is talking about, political leaders are talking about, is to is to accomplish one simple thing when it comes to fighting the pandemic. Stop the healthcare system from being overwhelmed so that it's able to treat the most serious of, of pandemic uh, victims or, or uh, people who've been hit by the pandemic when they need hospitalization and ventilators and equipment and the, the proper supports. And we can get to that, where we are with that, I guess. But um, you need the hospitals to be able to handle the most serious cases. So it makes perfect sense. Uh, and we're seeing that in other countries. And we're seeing it in some provinces now discussing, you know, moving uh, or doing moving uh, less critical hospital patients into uh, into hotels, which have been largely abandoned uh, in many cities because of the uh, because of the pandemic. Nobody's traveling. Uh, nobody's checking into hotels for long stays. So uh, this can sort of have a benefit both ways. You free up hospital beds for people who, who don't uh, need them for uh, critical treatment, and you uh, continue to support uh, the hospitality industry by, able, by, by uh, converting some of these hotels into at least uh, on the, the short or medium term uh, living quarters for people who uh, don't need a hospital bed or don't need a critical hospital bed. All right, we'll leave it there for now, Peter, uh, but this is going to be a very important week, and there will be new developments all the time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Mark. We'll talk again soon. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. We've been uh, telling people, particularly if you feel the onset of symptoms of a cold, uh, of COVID-19, you need to stay home. You need to isolate. You need to not travel. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Ottawa Sun argues cooperation is way better than being a COVID-idiot. The Sun writes... We've all seen the person crowding us at the store to grab the last box of wipes, who doesn't move out of the way on the sidewalk, who tells everyone that this thing is all overblown. It was inevitable that among all the good behavior exhibited in the past few weeks, there would still be this one jerk. We all want to put the coronavirus behind us, don't we? Then why not just follow the advice of public health officials? Be a good, if physically distant, 
citizen. In the Globe and Mail, Joanne Liu argues Canada must prepare for the worst. She writes, Most Canadians have no idea how overwhelming a pandemic can be, and there is no room for wishful thinking when dealing with them. We must be mentally and organizationally prepared to deal with the conditions that are rocking Italy and Spain. In the best-case scenario, we will be overprepared, a small price to pay. In the worst-case scenario, we'll be ready to save many more lives than if we were not fully prepared for the worst. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues, This crisis is teaching us what's truly essential. The Star writes, Is it limited to matters ensuring mere bodily survival, or should goods and services required for the well-being of mind, spirit, and soul qualify? The federal government defined essential workers as critical to preserving life, health, and basic societal functioning. It's become clear, however, that our sense of well-being depends on a range of things, and that the notion of necessities differs according to region, community, culture, and individual sensibilities. In Maclean's, Philippe Fournier asks how long the high confidence in the Liberals will last. Fournier writes... The federal government's response to the outbreak has widely been well-received by Canadians, at least so far. And with growing approval numbers of late, Justin Trudeau's Liberals have surged ahead in voting intentions. This rally-around-the-flag effect has been observed in other countries and in other contexts. But the question remains, how long can it last? How will Canadians react should this crisis last beyond the spring and into the summer? We shall see. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more now on some of the new developments we're expecting in the fight against the coronavirus. Mark, after the Prime Minister's announcement on the weekend, we can expect the new prohibition of Canadians travelling by either plane or train if they exhibit COVID-19 symptoms, and that travel ban comes into effect as of noon today. But also, after the passage of the emergency aid legislation last week by the House of Commons, Finance Minister Bill Morneau has committed to giving bi-weekly briefings on the rollout of the emergency measures and the government's spending. And those briefings he's going to be giving to the opposition finance critics. Also, as agreed upon by Parliament, two House of Commons committees, the Health and the Finance Committees, will also start holding weekly virtual meetings by teleconference to receive updates from the government on its emergency aid package. That, and of course, we'll see the daily uh, announcements by the Prime Minister as he continues to roll out additional measures. We are still waiting for specific aid to the oil patch and the resource sector, which has been promised and described by the Finance Minister as imminent on several occasions now. And Science and Innovation Minister Navdeep Bains on Sunday alluded to further aid that's going to be rolled out. His portfolio is involved with the crucial issue of getting more ventilators to Canada's hospitals. Maybe there'll be more details announced of developments regarding those new partnerships with companies that have been approached to try to accelerate the production of those life-saving and crucial ventilators. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will hold his daily news conference to speak about the coronavirus situation. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, March the 30th. Tune into CPAC throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus situation and to primetime politics tonight. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.